a year prior to her stroke, my mom had a stroke on her birthday at the dinner table across from me at the restaurant. So I, I witnessed that happen. It was surreal. She ordered her meal and I know, like it, there are things that my mom says that it's like I can, I can write it on a card and put it in a sealed envelope and that's how she's gonna order her meal, right? So one of those is, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Thousand Island dressing, no onions. She's always gonna say that, right? And so when the waitress takes her order, she just goes, salad, and kind of spaces out. And I said, you mean Thousand Island dressing, no onions? And she said, yes. And then the woman walked away and she just went, and her head just turned. She has this problem with her neck that she sort of like fights. So to stay looking straight ahead, she's actually resisting this, uh, I don't know, I think it's called cervical dystonia. And I could just see her lose the battle there. And her head just went slowly like. And I was like, okay, I don't know what this is, but we're out of here. That was my sort of crash course, you know, <laughs> into neurological what have you. And so that sort of, for me, set the stage for when I discovered you. Yeah. I used to do real with her, uh, um, uh, real. Uh, You're a real estate agent. Yes, um, and um, and big um, project like two million. Um, I worked in the uh, office all day, and I. Uh, um, migraine um all um all day jessica used to get wild migraines yeah like used to. Ha have to be in a dark room like like really bad migraines. yeah but now gone yeah wow <laughs> I don't know that it's that's worth the price you paid. But, but awesome. I mean, if there's a silver, a silver lining, sure. Anyway, I, so you had you had the mic. That was I remember this was a, this was a Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, I walked to the CVS to um, um get um, um, migraine meds. Um, and I vomit in the um, CVS. But that's Central Square, so like that's probably <laughs> happened a million times. So <laughs> yes, the <laughs> drop in the bucket. <laughs> uh, um, and I rallied. Um. <laughs> well, you you rallied. So you came home and you told me that story. And you napped, and you rallied, and went back to work to finish up what you were doing. Oh yeah, two million. I know, I know. <laughs> You're a crazy person. 
I am awesome uh, real estate. Um, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> um, and so you went back to work at night. Yes. Um, so um, I um, 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 finished the paperwork. Um, um, we watched TV. Yeah. We went to bed. Yeah. Alarm goes off Tuesday morning. I hop out of bed to go throw coffee on. At the time I was doing it in a French press so I would put the like tea kettle on and I would just hop back in bed until the cat the whistle blew. So I hop back in bed and Jessica you you were sort of scooching around in bed in sort kind of in a, like a playful way as you kind of are. <laughs> you know, you were just being a goof. And I and I and I was like, and I being a, a grouch, especially in the morning, was like, "What are you doing? Like, I'm trying to snooze. You're all, you're de- not only are you denying me the snooze, but you're also you know because you would have a fit if I woke you up. <laughs> yes. And so she had this like devious, like gremlin-y kind of like laugh, and I rolled over, and the smile that you see now, it was half of her face. So half of her face was completely lit up, normal, beaming. Always. You know? And the other half of her face was just like non-responsive. I feel like this sounds bragging when I tell this part of the story. No. But it was like, it was just like go time. It was not like, uh, you know, the sky is falling, I'm freaking out or whatever. It was like, there are things that need to be done now and, th- and it's time to do them. And so it's like, I'm calling 911. I'm going to do it from the other room because I don't want her to hear me and become alarmed. (laughs) She totally heard me and was alarmed uh, because apparently, as we've also found out, uh, when I'm in this mode, my my voice, my volume goes up. Yes. Like when like the times that I've been ringside for your seizures, where I'm like, it's okay, I've got you, da, 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 right? And you're like, afterwards, she'll say to me, you don't have to yell at me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm surprised you even remember any of this. Anyway, I called nine one one, and then it's and then it's off to MGH. You were very heavily medicated. Yes. But there were moments, so if we're still on day one, I don't think you were with it at all. But in ICU, there were moments where you, that everyone thought, well, case in point, right? Like, <laughs> let's go get the healthcare proxy right, and to look it, at, look at, I'm not really going to go get it. But, uh, <laughs> but so like, but you could see like, that's clearly your signature. But it's drunk Jessica's signature. It's de- you know. No, no, no. Uh, kid signature. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked more. You said it looked more like you're writing as a child. Yeah. Weird. But it was all witnessed and all the things that you have to do to get a healthcare proxy all signed off on, and everybody was like, "Cool, she she did it. We witnessed it. we you know, <laughs> the witnesses met the criteria. I don't know if how it would hold up in a." Proceeding of some sort? I don't know. I drugged it. You don't remember signing? Yeah. You also consented to your surgery. As it was explained to us, when a young person has a stroke, their brain is not shrunken with age or, you know, whatever happens when you get older. There's there's more room in there. Uh, So when a young person has a stroke, 
it's pressing up against the sides, every, everything is smushed. And so the way that it was explained is that that compression and that pressure has nowhere to go but down, and that is uh, squeezing the, the parts of the brain that control your, you know, your regulatory functions. So like the, your you know, automatic breathing and your heart pounding and whatever else, right? So it was a real uh, threat to your life if that pressure was not relieved because if, if that area was damaged, yeah, then you could have died. And so that's why they recommended the hemicraniectomy to basically allow for the pressure to be relieved, you know, in the opposite direction. I remember waking up, um, uh, what happened? And I, I, um, I, what happen and I can't say something mm -hmm. and um and cried like cry so that was definitely a low like that hurt you know because I just I, I my heart broke when I saw you recognize that something had happened but not be able to really know what it was that happened yeah, I I cried yeah. and I what happened? What happened? Yeah, yeah. And so what stands out to me, so that's certainly a low, but what stands out to me as a low for me was, I don't know at what point it was. I don't know if you were, I think you were still on the neural floor. I don't think you were in Spalding yet. But I think I I was taking a break, right? I think maybe at this point your mom, had, some, somebody was with you. I don't know if it was your dad or your mom or whatever. It wasn't because I wasn't obviously going to be leaving you with, anybody, with, with no one. <laughs> but I came home and I don't know if it was just, I'm sure it, obviously it was stress, but it was probably also fatigue and everything like that. Nobody was in the apartment and I just sat down and I think everything just like, because I had been like fight or flight, this is... You know, this is what we have to do. This is the job, right? You know, manage the care, find out what comes next. What's the deal? You know, what does it look like as far as recovery goes? Like being on top of everybody because I was not, I'm not good at being passive like that. Like, <laughs> we'll just figure out what happens. It's like, no, what happens? When does she get into therapy? All this stuff. Like, let's go. I think that was the first time that I didn't have something to do, I guess. Yeah. So I sat on the couch, and Mozart came out, uh, our little <laughs> R.I.P. Mozart. Yeah, um, she did. Yeah, she lived to be 16. She had it better than most people. <laughs> um, so she came out, and she came up on the couch and sat with me, and, and I lost it. Because I think I just realized that, or I didn't, it's not that I realized, it's just that I didn't have anything to do to like keep it away. Not like I was trying to keep it away, but it just happened that way. So that that was the, the part where it was like really hard. The first time where it was really hard.
the whole thing is a low moment, right? Especially in the acute setting. It's like, okay, you're in the ICU, your fiance's had half of her skull removed. <laughs> cool. Uh, but even then, we were kind of cracking our, each other up. <laughs> right? So she was in the Lunder building, which I guess had just opened. Yeah. And we were laughing because whenever the nurses would come in, they didn't know where anything was. So they would always come in and they would always say, we assure you that we are professionals <laughs> and we know what we're doing. This is a new building. We don't yet know. And, and we were just, we thought that was kind of funny, like in a weird way. That wild ride where we went off-roading oh, with God. the... Oh, uh, God. <laughs> there was a, a moment where she was well enough. She was still on the neuro floor. She was well enough, though, where she could go off the floor. Actually, no, she wasn't supposed to go off the floor. That was the part that I didn't realize. Um, she could get into a wheelchair, and I could take her out of her room, right? And she had a feeding tube in her nose, through her nose, into her stomach, and a motorized dispenser device for this goo, and they hooked it up to the uh, the pole on the end of the wheelchair, and every 30 seconds it would feed her. So I'm wheeling her around, and I didn't realize that we weren't supposed to leave the floor, and I thought, you've been cooped up in here, let's go out into the sun, it's a nice day, let's go out in the sun. Beautiful. Beautiful. So we go out there, and... I'm like, where do you want to go? And she's like, over there where it's sunny, through the grass. So to get there, I have to wheel her through the grass. So I'm off-roading in this wheelchair, right? It's I'm sure it's on camera, right? Some yeah, security I camera. I am thinking about uh, the um, people like watching. watching this, right? So she's in a wheelchair. She's got her helmet on. And I'm hitting bumps. And the thing, the, the stuff is swinging and it's banging on the so the motor is fixed to the pole and then the container of the food or whatever it was is slightly above it and then the nozzle is just close enough where as it swings it bumps into the motor and it's bump 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 bang and it knocks the thing off and now there's an upside down swinging bottle of insure or whatever it was and none of it on her all over me yes all over. And I'm like, and I'm like trying to plug this thing back up. I mean, it was, it, it was ridiculous. And, she, and that I think was maybe the first time that you really laughed. One of the ways that we've talked about the stroke, right, is that it's like this uninvited third wheel guest, yes. right? First, it was this thing that was really challenging yeah. for you and I. One of the things I think is a recognition f uh, of an instinct in me to want to like watchdog everything with you. <laughs> and that was, I think, a benefit in the beginning, you know, it could, because I was like on top of your care team 
and I was on your case about like, are you doing your, you know, PT homework? Are you doing your OT homework? Meds. Like, yeah, your meds. Like I had like a whole, your whole system for your meds and all that stuff. And then, so for me, there was an, an acknowledgement that was not an easy one to make, <laughs> nor was it an instant one. It was a gradual thing to sort of acknowledge that Jessica had progressed to a point where there were things that I was once managing that she could manage and that, and that it was not doing anybody any favors to try and sort of like control this situation anymore, really. I got every, um, my, my, um, I don't need, uh, your right. help at all and, and, to and that so, now. And part of, and part of my point is that a lot of that stuff that I was doing, I didn't want to be doing either. Right. Like I obviously would do it yeah. if it was necessary. Yeah. I would manage your meds if it was necessary. You know, I mean, you that's are not um, a caregiver. Right. So it was it was needing to if our relationship was going to thrive, we needed to break that dynamic apart yeah. right there. And so that was, I think, a significant part of it, at least from my angle. Also recognizing that and I and I knew this early on, which is why we actually went ahead and got married, because, you know, I knew that you were still in there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, and it's, the other thing, I mean, again, I, you chime in, like, if I'm just stealing no, no, the spotlight I, here. No, I um, um, concur. Okay. I think the other thing that's, that's challenging for a situation like ours, although you, through your recovery, you have met a bunch of young people, <laughs> I didn't have a network, you know? Uh, you were like, go to this stroke group, go to this aphasia group or whatever, and not trying to, you know, put any of those people down or anything like that. But I was like, I don't have anything in common with these people because, you know, I'm, well, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound like ageist or anything like that, but, well, you, you know, it was a very, it's a very different situation. My mom's stroke was about slow it down, retire early. You can't do these things anymore. Don't lift that. Like, you know, take it easy. Jessica's stroke is like, go, go, go. I want my life back. I want to get back in the game. I think that our bond is stronger yeah, as a result of this. Awesome um, bond. I think our communication is very, very different. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Yes. Well, we um, um, know how um, the how aphasia um, has a bumps, um, <laughs> and um, like I think right there's a great example. I know what she's talking about. That may sound like unclear to someone who doesn't speak Jessica's variety of aphasia. But you're saying, I mean, maybe you'll prove me wrong and then I'll have to eat crow. <laughs> uh, it sounds like what you're saying is aphasia introduces road bumps or, you know, challenges yeah. into a 
somebody in a couple's communication pattern that otherwise we, people wouldn't have to navigate. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's certainly true. The, the challenge for me with it. So while I think our communication has improved, that doesn't mean that the challenge is still not there because the something that is very core to me <laughs> and what is important to me in terms of you as a partner yeah is being able to have thoughtful uh conversations that are expressive and mutually understood and so that is a huge hit to our relationship yeah Can't do that. Uh, yeah, my yeah. speech is, and, that, and that's a, and that is a thing that I have to constantly, you know, I don't want to say wrestle with, but it's it's I have to be aware of that, you know, and I'm not always, and I, you know, I'm in, I'm imperfect, right? I'm not yeah. always patient. I'm like, you know, I'm often like. I just want to talk about this thing or, you know, I need to know these data points or whatever it is that we're talking about, you know, and sometimes it's not easy both ways, right? Sometimes yeah. I'm giving you more uh, data oh my than God. you can parse or process. Yeah. Um, you say tons of words and I, um, I got to stop him. Yeah. Um, um, because I can't, um, um, I lose the, um, front, um, words. Mm -hmm. I'm very wordy, yeah. right? So it has forced us, I think her aphasia and the communication river has sort of forced us to be more mindful about how the other... It, you know, operates or interacts. I can't, um, frustrating, but because I, I am alive. I mean, yeah, but I'm going to call shenanigans on that because what? I, so while I, I observe that you definitely have that, um, upbeat mentality and all that stuff. Yeah. I also observe when you don't, and I know that you don't, even though you're like fighting the good fight because, you know, I know you and I have that unique perspective. <laughs> so I think it's very laudable that you have, you know, that sort of upbeat, positive attitude. Because you absolutely do. But you're not infallible. Like, you know, we both have, like, hard times. I don't um, feel, um, why me? You did, though. Yes. That's my point. Yes. Yeah. So not so much now. 
but you absolutely did. Yeah. Like literally, I remember having conversations with you that were, why me? Yeah. I, I visit um, people about um, uh, strokes, um, and I say I do uh, lots of things and don't, um, 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 think this is all um, um, your life now. Um, I, I have, I do sports, like really, um, and I um, um, rock climbing. I mean, um, and I love my job. I make dog biscuits. Um, um, I mean, dogs baking. Perfect. Dogs and uh, dog people um, don't care um, my speech. Um, I married... Um, I bought a house. I mean, that is... I think um, that is good things. And I... And, oh my God. Um... You don't need to um, depressed. I don't know if it would be advice or whatever. I guess it would be advice. Is to to be real with what you can handle. You know, I think you know it's important to not bullshit yourself really about what it is you're going to be able to like take on, what it is that you're not going to be able to take on. Because the so the stroke happened to you, and you did not have a choice or yeah. a say in the matter, right? This is a choice I make, right? To to buckle up and and to be along for the ride. So, for somebody in a similar position, I think it's important for whoever that is to be really straight and honest with themselves about what it is they're going to be able to do and take on. I think self-care in that situation is crucial. The stroke didn't happen to me, but it absolutely made an impact on my life. And so, yeah, um, I think being, you know, cognizant of that and reflecting on that and not, and not like straying from that, you know, like, like centering on that is pretty critical if you're going to be able to, to hang with it. I would also say, though, and I say this to you all the time, the stroke, though it is like this third wheel that, you know, we mentioned, you know, this uninvited third party, 
it doesn't have to define you. Like I say this to you, like it doesn't have to define you. Like you are more than your stroke. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be the defining moment or defining character of your uh, relationship. And it certainly doesn't have to be, you know, you know, on, on my angle as well. It doesn't have to be like a defining aspect of who I am. And, and what, I mean, it's a major part of our lives together, but it is not, you know, it's not me. It's not what I do. Right. Yeah. And um, I used to, well, sort of um, say, uh, bear with me. I suffered a stroke yeah. and I am um um dowling um down that um yeah because he um said um um it's like you don't need to you yeah. don't need to do that like yeah. you're you're going to order off the menu and the person who's taking your order is don't going to keep... have to stand there and take your order regardless of whether or not you say bear with me I suffered a stroke and then figure out what it is that you want to eat, yeah. right? So that's just sort of your way to like shoehorn you into that conversation and that's fine, but you've progressed to a point where you don't have to do yeah. that. You you cannot I, control yeah. you cannot control how you only to a certain only to certain degrees, right? And it's a fool's errand to think that you can do it in its entirety, right? To control how you are perceived by the outside world or by others, right? And so there's, there's, I think along the way in our journey, there's for, at least for me, there's a certain aspect of me being like, I want to, I want to control this situation. I want you to have the best experience that you can have out in the world. And yet at the same time, I want this to be as normal a date night as it can human possibly be. Right. <laughs> so it's like all, and, and I mean, both of those, right. That's a tall order to try yeah. and strike that balance. So, so you know, maybe that's sort of like part, part of my whole like be honest with yourself kind of situation is that a recognition that you're not going to be able to control that. You're not going to be able to control what these people are going to think or say about you. The other thing that I would say in the uh, advice category is absolutely leverage your friends when your friends say can we help with anything or whatever yep you, <laughs> you absolutely can <laughs> you're tough as nails i don't think that i had any meaningful understanding of the just the, I don't know, sheer force of will and, and uh, like where you get your, your energy and, and uh, optimism and resiliency. No idea where it comes from and I, and I marvel at it. If the shoe was on the other foot, we would be in a radically different situation. I do not think that I could do and bounce back from what you have bounced back from in the way that you've done it. Your mindset has helped me sort of see things that are a little more glass half full or whatever, yeah. you know? That is inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I can do that. Um, the, um, I, um, 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 
um, uh, do the ambulance and like organize um, your um, the jobs. Uh, I I am lucky to uh, uh, have your uh, you are uh, my team. We're a good team. Yeah.